Hi, welcome to More Life, the Reentry Podcast, a podcast about offender reentry reform and advocacy. And I'm your host, Vinkivia Garner. Thank you for joining me today. On today's episode, we have another one of our advocacy and activism episodes. And just in case you guys don't remember what that is, our advocacy and activism section is a section that highlights individuals, supporters, or organizations that are making efforts to advocate or support justice-involved individuals in their journey back into their communities. So for our organization today, um, we are talking with On the Inside, which is an organization that works with incarcerated individuals that will soon return to society. And representing this organization is Mr. Cardell Sims. Just to give you guys a little bit of information about Mr. Sims, uh, Mr. Sims overcame poverty, gangs, and prison to become a national speaker. He's a six-time author, um, master certified empowerment coach, and a re-entry consultant. After doing state and federal time, Mr. Sims walked out of the prison gates with a blueprint, a blueprint that he put together while incarcerated. His story and his journey is that of inmate to inspiration. Mr. Sims shares valuable information he learned and applied to free himself from his own destruction. He is the host of the Reentry Journey podcast and also the founder of the, the founder of On the Inside Reentry Academy and North Org. So I really want to thank Mr. Sims for coming on and just coming on to talk about like the advocacy work that he's doing, his experience, um, and a host of other things. So thank you, Mr. Sims. Uh, thank you. I uh, appreciate you having me. Uh, it's been a journey. It's been a journey, but I, I love it um, on the inside, on the inside of, of prison. That's where the, that's how the academy got built was um, called on the inside because I, I know two things for a fact that a uh, reentry starts on the inside of prison and it starts on the inside of cell. So that was my motivation uh, to, to come with on the inside reentry academy. Thank you. Um, and, you know, I guess, like, before we, like, jump too far into, like, our conversation, because um, that's one of the things I really wanted you to talk a little bit more about, is what do you mean by, like, on the inside of self uh, and on the inside of, like, being incarcerated? Can you just elaborate a little bit more on what that means? And so, it's the saying that the day a person gets sentenced, we should start preparing them for their release. So reentry starts on the inside of prison. You can't wait to get out to start your reentry because now you're getting out with no direction. And so when I say on the inside of prison and self, it also starts with personal development. It also starts you addressing some issues that you may have, challenging certain beliefs. Uh, learning how to prioritize your values, just having expectations for yourself. Um, so my program on the inside is based on them two things, on the inside of prison, because this is where reentry should start, and on the inside of self. In a sense, this is where reentry should start, because you, in order to make a change, you have to change yourself. So I chose um, personal development side of reentry. Yeah, and you know, I have heard a lot of just like with my experience of working um, in reentry and like starting this podcast of 
that it is kind of like a, a personal development thing or a mind shift that has to happen in order to really um, assist in some of the things that uh, kind of um, go into reentry. Because if you don't have that mindset of like, okay, I want to kind of stop doing these things, it may be easier to fall back in some of the patterns before. Uh, would you say that that's appropriate or accurately? Most definitely. Um, the reason why I, um, that's a good point because let me explain my situation in the sense of in deep into my bio. I was recidivism. In my story, I was recidivism. Um, from 1999 all the way up to 2013, I touched the jail cell and the prison cell. And so what was happening was I would get out of prison, go right back doing the same thing, catch another case, get sent right back to prison, come out, go back to the same neighborhood, same environment, same people, start selling the same drugs, same results, catch another case, go back to prison. Then I would get a parole violation or something that would send me back to prison. And then I got out of prison and then the federal government came and picked me and 31 other people up for conspiracy uh, uh, well, conspiracy charges and gang activity charges. And it was that point when I was sitting in the federal courtroom and they handed me my indictment, I kept looking at the United States versus Cardio Sims. And it was just something about that that made me ask myself, like, why do you keep finding yourself in these situations? And the only answer I came up with was it was myself and so from that point on i had to start making a mindset shift because everything that i did every thought that i thought was considered to the streets and so i just started doing a lot of different reading and different books and everything and then i came to understand that um i took a class it was called individual human performance slash potential class and this was inside a prison and this was my my last prison sentence when I started dedicating to to uh, building self, changing who I was. And I took a class, and it was called Consciousness and Success, and it was individual human performance slash potential. And um, in the class, it was taught that the 400 billion bits per second is what the brain can take in, but it's too much for us. So we have a filtering system called the reticular activation system. And what that does, that filters down that 400 billion bits to about 20,000 bits. And then bits are based on what is relevant in your life and what is a threat in your life. It's, but, the, but the relevance and threat are based on the law of belief. The law of belief says, we do not um, believe what we see. We see what we believe. And then beliefs, you can have them beliefs from birth. So it's kind of like you boxing yourself in. And so without educating yourself and having a, a, a goal and a vision for yourself, you're never go, you're going to continue the same mindset. And so basically what I did was used that class and took it to heart and started studying that class 
and developed myself personally. So when I got ready for my release, I had plans, goals, and everything, and I just stuck to them. But but without making that mindset shift, that would have never happened. And, you know, thank you for sharing that with us. And it seems like you, like you said, you've taken a very practical experience of yours, um, as well as some additional education and resources that you obtain to kind of come up with this, like, you know, personal development is really important for this process. And I'm wondering, how did that lead you to make the decision of, okay, I need to start a reentry academy or a nonprofit organization? <laughs> it's crazy because... Um, in prison, one of my goals were to uh, become a life coach. That was one of my goals. Um, and so when I did that, I started my, my own personal company. Then I started this nonprofit organization because it was geared to rebuilding a neighborhood that I destroyed when I was out there in the streets. Um, when I was in the streets and I was involved in what I was involved in, like um, a lot of houses got tore down. Um, a lot of different traffic came, so it was trash and stuff in the neighborhood. Values of properties went down. People moved out, like, for real. And so I wanted to rebuild that. Um, I wanted to bring value back into the community that I helped destroy, uh, whether it's through um, programs, events, uh, uh, residential businesses, houses, and things like that. And so I also wanted to work into the reentry, but I ended up writing a book sharing my story because COVID hit, um, the stuff I was doing in my business wasn't really reentry, it was just coaching, so it took a hit. And I spoke with my mentor, he was like, um, I'm selfish because I'm not giving the world my story. He was like, um, your story puts you in a lane. He was like, you're a prison expert, I know this is your life. He was like, this is what you really need to do. This is what your mentor is supposed to do, guide you right. And um, it came into the the um, the reentry lane, and I said I want to be I want to do it different because I knew, as I stated earlier, that reentry starts on the inside of prison itself. I knew this. This is how I made the change and got to the point where I was at. Um, so I know the person. I know it works, and so um, I said, but I want to go on the inside. I. I want to be, I didn't know, I knew programs inside of prison, like prison fellowship um, and many different other programs, the normal programs inside of prisons. And I wanted to, I didn't want to be involved. I didn't want to be involved with the program. I want to create my own program. And I want to be one of the first, if, if not the first. And I end up not being the first um, because one of my mentors, he has the program so similar. And so I seen what he was doing I was like, man, you know, he, he's formerly incarcerated. Um, he'd been out for a long time and he built a program where he'd go into prison and um, it's, it's and basically work on personal development and leadership and things like that. Um, but he does it to a, 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 a larger scale. And so I was able to look at that. It's like, he showed me that it's possible to be formerly incarcerated and go in and have your own program without going through the regular programs that I mentioned earlier. And so I started designing my program or what it took on everything that I started or what I did. And I mixed it with my life coaching um, skills because I became a master certified empowerment life coach, empowerment life coach. And so I started mixing everything together. And I was like, I want to work on personal development, making a mindset shift. 
And so this is what I did. I built a curriculum where we uh, work on uh, attitude, we work on uh, beliefs, uh, values, perceptions, uh, your learning styles, are you right brain, are you left brain? Like we really break down everything, parenting, mental health. So, and I said, I wanted that to be on the inside. So that put, that put the work, personal development, AKA on the inside itself. And then I want my program to be in prison because waiting for them to get out of prison is too late. They coming out of prison with a mindset already. Can you help change that mindset before they get out? Yeah, and I think that's a really important piece, too, of just like, like you said, like you kind of have to start beforehand. A lot of times, like you said, when they come out, it's they already have an idea of who they're going to be, what they're going to do. Um, yeah, it's, they, got it, they already got it planned out. <laughs> so, sitting in prison, they got it planned out. Every, some, everybody in prison that's on their way home right now already got it planned out what they're going to be doing when they get out, whether it's good or it's bad. Yeah. And I think also, I feel like just another layer to add, like what you're talking about and doing that while they're in prison, they're still in a place where it's like a very structured environment. So they're really able to hone in on like what you're talking about, those personal development skills. That way, when they come out here in the world and it's not as structured, they at least, you know, they've been working on these things and it won't be as struggling. Cause I also heard like just coming out after you've been in a, such a structured environment to like just this world of just a lot of decision-making that can be very challenging as well. Yeah. And, and we talked, and it's crazy. You just said that because this past week or well, not this past week, it just passed, but the week before last, we was talking about decision-making. That was the decision-making uh, process and we was doing exercise because it's important. You, um, you, you're coming from an environment where you don't really make no decisions. Same menu. You, I mean, unless you got money and can't afford to go to the child hall, you can order camp commissary and decide what you really want to eat in that sense. But everything else is controlled movement and things of that nature. And then you're going to be getting out into a situation where now you're going to have to start making the decisions, whether you're getting out by yourself are you going to a marriage or a family and you got children? Now a lot of the decisions making that your wife or your, your significant other has been making during your incarceration. Now that some of that's gonna be passed on to you, they can release some of that on you now that you're out. And that's gonna be a, a hard, that's a, that is a hard thing to deal with. And you have to learn how to communicate that simple thing to your significant other spouse so they can understand that to not put so many decisions on you when you come in fresh out because of the fact that you're coming from. You ain't had to make no decisions, really. It's been routine, 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 routine over and over and over. Yeah, I've heard some, like, just stories of people, you know, going to the grocery store and just being overwhelmed with, you know, the amount of options um, that they could choose from. And, um, you know, and I think as somebody who's just like, like I said, that's not directly impacted, I don't think about those things. And I don't think about that being a concern. Um, but for this particular group, I, it can be. Um, because like you said, they've had such a structured life of someone tells you what to do, when to go to the bathroom, when to move or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, so yeah, that I think that's something very critical to consider. Um, and it takes a lot of you know, skills in being able to make decisions and um, not necessarily 
and evaluate the consequences of those decisions. Let's say that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's a lot, but I mean, you. That's why I chose personal development mm-hmm. um, to be aware of these things, to know how to. Like I, I I had a guy that um. It messed him up. I ain't gonna say mess him up, but it, it 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 threw him for a loop when he got out. He did he did quite a bit of time, but when he got out, because I still mentor him, and that was one of the things. He had brought up. He said, "Man, I was like, he was like, man, one of the first things that um, I knew it was crazy and kind of threw me for a loop was um, he went into Walmart. They, you know, he was going to get his clothing and stuff. He's, he's fresh out. He's gonna go get, you know, his necessities. And he went to the Walmart and he went to use the restroom. He said when he got to using the restroom, he look, he was looking for the handle to flush and everything, and he he, he didn't see it. And he didn't. He was like, man, what?" He said, so he's like, so he didn't know what to do. So he was leaving. And he said, as soon as he walked away, he heard it flush. In prison, you ain't got no automatic flushes. You know what I'm saying? You flushing like that. So he said he spent a, a few minutes, you know, looking for it. Like, and he said, it, it really, he was like, it really kind of scared him because um, he wasn't used to the automatic things in society. He's not used to it. Yeah, and like, I feel like great example of, you know, just illustrating that because me, I know that. Like, but for someone else, like, that could be very overwhelming um, for them and just frustrating. So I can only imagine, like, what that experience is like. Um, but yeah. Um, checkouts, it- going to Walmart and self-checkouts. Can you imagine doing 15 years in prison and then you go to Walmart and you hardly seen the cashiers and you see these self-checkout machines and you get to it and you're trying to figure out how, how this thing works. You're trying to figure out how this works. Yes. And then like, and that's another thing that I I will say just in general, like technology has advanced so much. Um, I Some people, you know, they've been incarcerated for so long, they come out and we got iPhone 14s out here now. And, <laughs> and, and, and granted, some prisons, and, and and they moving technologies in prisons. It's almost in a, almost all prisons, you know, turnkey technologies, kiosks, and things of this nature. Okay. But um, for some, even for those incarcerated that's been in prison, you got people that's been in prison twenty years and they on their way home. This they still not adapting. It's kind of like a, um, an older person's adapting to the old heads in prison. Is like. Older people, when Facebook and stuff started coming out, adapting to that, trying to get used to that, you know, so they they not really tripping off no, hey, look here, youngster, can you help me out with this? You know, that type of stuff there, as far as the technologies and the, the, the kiosks, because on some of the tablets in prison, like, you, you you able to listen to podcasts and, and things and stuff like that, because I have um, some stuff on tablets inside the prison, and people take advantage of that, but there's some people in prison that's been there for a while that they just ain't transitioned all the way over into the technology space the little technology that the prison may have to offer 
Yeah. So there's a lot of like just adjustment that kind of goes with this process, regardless of like, you know, age, where you fall at. There's just different things that you kind of have to navigate and you need certain skills to be able to do those things. Um, And so kind of going back to your, you know, the organization a little bit, what is your vision for on the inside? Like, I understand like the personal development, um, but as far as of like your impact, I guess those type of things. Uh, my ultimate vision is is to put inside in the prisons and, and around the nations like like prison fellowship in a sense. Um, I want to be in the, I want to be in all of the prisons. I want my program to be in all the prisons, all the county jails. Um, I want to be able to uh, because I'm tied to a lot of people in the reentry field that had similar stories as uh, like guests on my podcast and they all in different areas. I'm tied to them individuals. So if I need, I trust and, and have faith in these individuals as well that I built relationship with, that we all have the same mission. We all on the same journey. Um, my goal is to open these doors, get on the inside reentry Academy to open all these doors in the prisons across the United States and across the nation and um, be able to allow them to go in and use the program to personal development. I want formerly incarcerated. I feel like the best teachers in, in the sense is really gonna be able to touch them. Like that's why I have my success at because I'm able to relate. They can't tell me I, I ain't been through it. I'm able to share stories of me actually going through it and actually overcoming it and how I did it, where I failed trying to go through it and things like that. And I think we need that. And so that's what my goal is with on side to the entry is to get in all of the prisons. If I can, I'm on them all. <laughs> if I can across the nation, because I, 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 it's that important. Yeah, you no, know, I agree. Um, in all of them, because it is very important. And um, I think one of the things I was also thinking about, because I heard you talk about it earlier is um this idea of like mentoring um, is that something that you do uh for people who are released or is that only for you know people that are incarcerated or is there even a layer of that i've heard you talk about it in a couple of instances uh, on here layer i mentor in and out of prisons um people see my videos on the tablet in prisons they uh have their family go to my website get my info they end up exchanging. I'm on so many people's uh, lists on JPay uh, for different uh, incarcerated individuals where I mentor them. They get to ask some questions. They on their way home. They want to know more. And then uh, on the outside, I get hit up on Instagram, Facebook, uh, and then people that be in my class that got out. So yeah, mentoring. That's yeah. That's kind of like an automatic thing for me. That's like automatic. Yeah, I think mentors are essential and just, you know, like you said earlier, of just trying to guide and direct us, um, provide us with, you know, any feedback that we need. And um, I've seen in recently and just like research and stuff of like that, you know, specifically peer mentoring, uh, kind of what you're talking about, being mentored by somebody that also has this shared experience is very impactful. Um, and that seems like what you're doing with these individuals as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, so that that's great. Um, and like I said, I I wish you the best of luck on, um, you know, getting into all the prisons because I do think personal development is like just so important, um, especially in the era that we live in right now of everybody's trying to develop. Everybody's, you know, really focusing on empowerment. Um, in certain populations, it could be essential too. I created, I think, I might have to say I am the first on this one. 
Okay. Um, in, in a sense of formerly incarcerated, but I created, even though on the, I go into prison physically with, on the inside, I, it's also a virtual academy as well. Uh, so that's how, I, when I say all the states, my I see, I'm capable of touching um, all the prisons now. Um, basically, you can get my program inside your prison virtually. All you need is a, a classroom and a um, Zoom setup. Um, and so even in the classroom that I teach in physically, they we have that in our classroom. And what that also allows me to do is bring guests on and share their stories and their keys and things like that. So you're not only just getting me as a teacher formerly incarcerated with a success story and a grind, you're gonna, you're, uh, sometimes you're gonna have other guests that's come, like this week I got another guest, he's coming up and he's gonna be doing, uh, speaking uh, presentation virtually to the class. So now you, you, you get in a set of people and then you get to ask your questions and then you get their information and now you get them as a mentor as well. So that's that's how that's how I come in a sense that's how I'm coming. Um, I'm I'm excited about it because, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to get in all the prisons. Uh, I want to start this, this mindset shift is a necessity um, to have this leadership and this type of mindset shift to provide more mentors, not just for those coming home, but for the the youth, because I also have a thing called no new numbers where um, people say we need to change these laws and this to uh, control recidivism and cut down prison populations. Um, I don't agree with that. I, I agree with no new numbers. Only way to cut back the prison population is no new numbers. Most likely the people who got a number, that number's never gonna change. They're gonna recycle that number in and out of prison. I was that person. My, my other program, I, I got no new numbers, is about getting to the youth and getting to the children changing their mindset so they don't even have to become a number to be, they ain't got to become a number. I don't want them walking through the prison gates getting a number and that's they represent, that's who they are for the next, over the next 20 years running out of prison like I was. And so that's how I address the whole prison reform from the beginning and on the inside. I don't want no new numbers, but if you got the numbers to stop you from coming back, this is what it's gonna take. And are you dedicated to that? Because my classes, if you're able to sign up, if you sign up for something, most likely you got an interest in it. If y'all get you in that classroom, you're going to stay. You know, and I think I want to say something first, because we were talking about like, um, you know, just Zoom and, you know, that is like one of the greatest advantages of like technology right now is, you know, being able to use platforms like Zoom or whatever other online um, virtual things that they have to be able to bring your program to different facilities and prisons and things like that. I do think that is a really good thing. And, um, you know, I hope we're able to do that more and um, kind of get these into, I guess, like get prisons and facilities the necessary resources so we can have these kind of like programs in there and I really like the early uh, intervention um, um, in initiative um, because that is very important too is like we see for the last couple of weeks I've kind of talked about children and youth um, just being incarcerated and going through the system and uh, if we had things like this kind of like that personal development to kind of like you said, stop them before they even get a number. Um, we can kind of also minimize 
the amount of people that we're cycling through here as well. And, and what, I, what I found out with the youth, it, it, it's more of um, social emotional learning. That's, that, that's, the, that's, that's the biggest thing. And you have to really realize as a teenager, things that they're, I, I hate when other people say, oh, they teenagers, they don't, they are not going through nothing. No, um, it's a different type of pressure with social media and, and, and things like this now. It's a different type of pressure. Um, and so you really have to tap into that to, to see. Because like I said, the, if we want to control this thing, we got to do it from the front and on the inside. Um, because because now when they get out, there are a lot of re-entry uh, programs for people when they get out. That there, there really is a lot of um, opportunities in a sense, way different. When I got out in uh, federal prison 2017, it was way different as far as resources and things of that nature than it was when I went to prison the first time and got out in 2007. Um, you didn't have as many uh, felon friendly companies, really, you really didn't have none. Um, you didn't have all these uh, formerly incarcerated individuals that have trucking schools, uh, courier service schools uh, and, and things of that nature or, the, or other people who, who built reentry programs that can aid and assist you in everything that you, it's, a, it's a lot. Um, and which was another reason why I, I was directed to go inside as well, because um, these things exist, but if you don't have the mindset to take advantage of them, then it, they don't really mean nothing to you. It, it's not relevant to you. No, I agree. Um, and I think also, like, when you're thinking about just mindset in general of, like, yes, we're trying to shift the mindset of the people that have this experience um, to kind of, you know, a reduced recidivism or their likelihood of going back it also I feel like I'm thinking here like there needs to be a shift in mindset of um you know just policies and how we think about and how we um enact those things because I was thinking about what you just said of the difference between when you were released in 2007 and when you came out in 2017 um I imagine 2007 like you said nobody was really probably I guess like desirability of being around people who have been incarcerated people. Yeah. They weren't trying to do that. They weren't trying to hire these individuals, but now there's definitely, I will say somewhat of a shift of, you can see a shift in people being more, you know, friendly or accepting and, you know, willing to hire or willing to house and like those different things. So mindset needs to be shifted in a lot of different places too. Oh yeah, most definitely. Um, and in, in in Missouri, I'm in Missouri, so and um, I got a, a friend that worked for probation and parole, and they had a pilot one program that was in her district, and she was over the program. And the program, if you was a high risk offender, when you got out, you got in this program, you had to take this program. And what the program did was you had to go to a lot of, uh, you had to do counseling services. I'm I'm a list of cons. You had to do count to the cons as far as as the coming out of prison, a formerly incarcerated coming out of prison thing. They're the cons. If I was a criminal still, this would be the cons of, of this of this class. Uh, I got to go to all these counseling sessions, at least four counseling sessions a week. Oh uh, man, they got me going. Um, drop. I got to call in every day to see if I got to come in and drop a UA. And I got to report to my officer twice a week, man. That's just too much. 
with a negative mindset, that's all I'm going to see. What they offered on the flip side, if I went in on a positive mindset, this is what they offered on the flip side if you're looking at the positivity. They you got $500 just in spending money. They got you a phone. They help you find appointment, transportation. They provided you with the transportation to get to and from the appointments, employment, and places that you needed to go as far as you needed to go on uh, grocery shopping or something like that. And they help you find a, a, an apartment or a place and pay the first month rent along with the security deposit. And the people that was in the class, that was in the class, in that, in that group, um, it, it got to the point where they weren't showing up for the um, counseling sessions and things like that to where the uh, parole officer had to call them in and make them sit down and fill out their own warrants and saying that next time that you miss a class or a counseling session, you're going to get sent back. Now, to me, that's a simple mindset problem. They, they, their mind, they, that's, not, that's a mindset shift. They're not ready for that. You can take some people that got the mindset and put them in that same program, and they're going to prosper. They don't care about the, um, the counseling session. They don't care about the UAs. They don't care about what all of that. That's part of the. That's the work. And if you don't understand that's the work for the for the results of what you're getting, then that's a mindset. That's a mindset problem. Yeah, and it seems like they're not really seeing those as like opportunities for growth. Um, and I think that alludes to very important of just like how we see the world. Um, if we see the world in a very negative fashion, then, you know, we're not going to want to do those things. But if we see the world in a very positive way, and in a, you know, these are resources to help me, um, then like, we really can get some great outcomes from that. And I think that's why it's so important. The very, the two things that you talk about of challenging beliefs and prioritizing values, when people really have those beliefs of, you know, I'm always going to be a felon or like, I'm always like, this is always going to be my situation. Yes. This is always going to be your situation because that's kind of what you've been telling yourself. This is always going to be your situation. I've been there. I, I, that's, that was the challenge of my beliefs was the first thing that was my first breakthrough. And I learned that by reading this um, self-limited belief books and I'm just talking about how you limit yourself. And I just thought, and one of the exercises writing down things that you believe and one of my biggest beliefs was that I was a product of my environment. I, I, I came from an environment where uh, my, my mother was on, on crack. I came from an environment my father wasn't nowhere in our life. Or, you know, I, I came from an environment of, of gangs, drugs, violence, and things of that nature. Like, I came from this environment, I always felt like that was a product. Even though there were certain avenues that was, uh, there was uh, an opportunity that was uh, offered me, and, and I I never, I kept this mindset kept pulling me back. Um, I got scholarships to play basketball and found myself, no matter where I went, in these same situations. It was just my mindset. I needed to, my comfortability was I needed to be in these uh, type of environments. And so um, that, in, that simple mindset, I'm a product of my environment, led me to keep going back to prison. That belief, when I was in prison, I got out. Well, gee, man, you know, I'm about the game. This is all I know. Like, and then what it, when it hit me was while reading this book, I had a, a friend of mine, uh, we grew up together in the neighborhood. She was, uh, we actually lived uh, caddy corner from each other. Um, same, we got the same similar stories. Uh, she's a, um, 
her mother was on um, crack. Her, her father was on crack. You know, she grew up in the same thing, but I remember at an early age, she used to always say she was going to be a warrior. And so um, uh, our grandmother raised her because I'm, her grandmother raised her. My grandmother raised um, me because I'm, our parents was in the street still and stuff like dealing with the addiction. And um, my grandmother would walk across the street every day in between 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And they would watch the soap opera. They would watch the stories together <laughs> every day. Monday through Friday, they would watch the stories together in between that time. And so I remember her saying she was going to be a lawyer. And I remember out through high school, um, she was keeping her grades up, straight-A student. I was getting in trouble in high school, even though I was playing basketball. I um, got uh, put in a foster home out of high school. Um, and I was basically given the stipulation of if I don't graduate high school, then I would face the first-degree assault at Chipton Murder Time that I had caught uh, at 15 years old. And so even through high school, same thing. So after high school, I, I still had the same mindset. And I was in college, but I was in gangs and everything. And for the next 20 years, I was going in and out of prison. Over the next 20 years of her life, because she was tapped into and what she wanted to be. And everything she did was working towards that. She'd go to college. Um, did she have some... Um, ups and downs and obstacles, yeah, she faced them. You know, she had a child at a, as soon as she got into college, she had a son. So now she got a, a, a child going through college. Then she have another baby, then that baby had passed, but she still kept pursuing and she was going through up and downs. And by the time I'm tapping into myself of self-limited beliefs and realizing I got self-limited beliefs, 20 years later, she's running her own law firm. You know, and so that was another thing to let me know that I wasn't a product of my environment because that's because while I was studying and trying to understand my beliefs, I was on the phone with my mother and she was explaining to me how the girl started her own law firm. And I that hit me like, man, she came from where you from. She how she come from the same environment, but she ain't a product of that. You're not a product of your environment. And that's when I just started understanding me, like, this is the way I was thinking. Yeah, and I that was, like, a really great illustration because I feel like it is so embedded in us of, like, we are a product of our environment, and we sometimes we really hold on to that. But like you said, you can really see the difference, and somebody can have, like, somewhat of the same story as you. Granted, I know all of our stories are not the same, um, but still, they come from the environment of which you come from as well, and they're still able to make a way for themselves. And, like, it's really on how you internalize those, you know, whatever concerns are going on in your life. You can either say, like, hey, despite all of this, I'm going to keep going, or it's like, okay, this is going on, and I'm going to lean into that and kind of go the opposite direction. Um, so that that was great. Thank you for, like, illustrating that so. yeah yeah i mean that's just how that's how i came to that realization like man what and and the crazy part is once i opened my mind to that i started seeing other people that grew in my same community same environment i came from i'm looking like man and she done started a beauty salon she owned her own beauty salon and i'm like oh man i've been doing this wrong the whole time <laughs> and yeah that's a mindset shift Okay, yes. Um, I think that, yeah, like that is great. Um, and I think, you know, mindset is something to continue working on. Um, and I wonder for your organization, um, are there any, like, I guess, besides like the Reentry Academy, 
Um, are there any other projects that you do as an organization? Um, as as far as on the inside, them are the only um, projects we do as far as just on the inside of Entry Academy. That's kind of on the inside is, is there on like stigma because it's on the inside. It's just on the entity. Um, but my other organization, like with the normal organization, we do all kind of uh, community events. We do right now. We're working on on start doing um uh doing clothes for those that's um coming home. Um, ha having um, we want to get our stock up to where we can be able to give you at least three or four pair of outfits, a couple shoes. So when you come home, you got this to come to, and you ain't really worrying about clothing because we know clothing be issues. And I got a lot of homeboys and stuff like that. And I'll be letting them know, man, um, stuff you ain't wearing, go ahead and bag them up, man, and I'll come by and pick them up and things like that. So, I mean, it's because I know a lot of I know a lot of people sometimes they just be looking to give away clothes that they don't even use no more. I think that's the right idea. And so we decided to do that. And, you know, that's that's our next goal is to get that together and, and, and push this up further. So when you get out in our area, you can come to us and get the, the clothing. And, and things of that nature as well. No, that, that's a really big thing. Um, and I know that's something that I've also been kind of interested in too, is just because you you see a lot of concerns with that, like clothing and just people not having like those basic necessities um, when they're released um, to kind of just sustain for that time being. And like clothing can be really important of just, you know, a simple way to help out, um, but a very impactful way as well. Okay, so I guess one of the things I also wanted to ask you is like, I know, you know, the program is for inside. Um, and I imagine that you've encountered some type of challenges, you know, with this program, or doing this type of work. Uh, would you be comfortable talking about any challenges you've encountered? Um, yeah, you get the challenges um, that you formerly incarcerated, and you're trying to get inside uh, the prison program, and the they they don't want to allocate um, the time and effort along with the money in, into into your program because of that. Um, so you get a you get that same stigma as if you were going out trying to get a job. But the, but the thing with me is um, I've learned that if I can get you in the room or on the call, then I'm able to get a step closer. But yeah, that's one of the biggest things because, like I said, they already got a base of people that they really work with, that they trust inside of their um, system of programs. Um, it's almost everywhere. The, the, the program stuff is everywhere. And so you really have to just be on, on it. You have to be, know everything because a lot of times being formally incarcerated, uh, they, they might question that. But it can be, it can hurt you or it can help you. But outside of that, I really didn't have no problems. Um, if you're trying to find the people to 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 connect with, that was one of the that was the problem, finding how to connect and to people to talk to and get my, the program too, you know, pitch the program too, finding the, the the wardens and stuff like that, like how. But I I got a hack that I use now 
uh, <laughs> I got a hack that I use. I, I teach and, and other the other uh, formerly incarcerated people or other people with reentry programs that want to get inside of get contacted with a prison. I do a master class and I, I teach them this hack that I use of how I've got all these contacts that's dealing with prisons, whether state prisons, county jails, or, or federal prisons. Okay. It seems like you found. That that's true, and I'm like, it seems like you have found a way to kind of, like you said, uh, pitch your program and kind of try to get it into um, all of the prisons, and you know, at least working towards getting to all, getting it into all of the prisons. That will be that will be your biggest. Um, if that's what you're trying to do, that will be your biggest um, obstacle is to find out who to pitch to and how to get in contact and, and stuff like that. Okay. Um, and one another thing I kind of want to ask you too is um, as a person, you know, as a person who, like I said before, doesn't have this shared experience and is, you know, filling the space of an advocate, what suggestions or advice would you provide to other people like me that are also wanting to advocate and support I would say reach out and connect with a um, local reentry program or because just reach out and look because there's reentry stuff going on uh, inside of, of the area that you're in. You really have to, now that I'm in the field, before I wasn't in the field and it was on the outside, I really wasn't thinking about it and really wasn't looking at research. Once I started doing my research, it's reentry programs, people that's doing reentry work. Um, all over the nation. I'm pretty sure there's someone in your area. So I'll, you can search them online, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, people that's doing the, their research and their, um, their programs. I would say that'd be the first thing to do is to, to reach out there. Um, if you wanna know more about it, it's a lot of, uh, if you just wanna know the challenges and, and faces that someone getting out of prison goes through, um, uh, there's a lot of people that sharing their stories that's formerly incarcerated and sharing them. So them are not hard to find as well. If you want to go to your modern day, um, but not modern day, but your um, typical way in a sense, and want to make sure that it's all the way legit and things of the nature, or you want just tripping off trust, uh, you can go to like Goodwill, Salvation Army, uh, these things in particular, because they deal a lot with uh, formerly incarcerated individual people coming home, especially like good, Goodwill, most definitely. Um, they hire formerly incarcerated individuals. Uh, I know formerly incarcerated individuals that's regional president uh, of Goodwill, and they do a lot of services for those that's returning home from prison. So if you can go down to the Goodwill, and if you want to help in any kind of way, you can go there and help, but yeah. If you want to go that route, most definitely. Okay, yeah. And those are all some really good suggestions. Um, I know back home, speaking of Goodwill, um, where I'm from in Arkansas, they have a program that specifically is catered to, you know, returning citizens or formerly incarcerated individuals of helping them, you know, gain those employment skills and then eventually hiring them. Um, and they also do some, um, like, if you regularly shop or thrift at Goodwill, uh, you can donate to the the funding um, that they have there, you know, the donation pool um, for that organization. So they have a lot of stuff out there. Um, so thank you. Yeah. 
Um, and then I guess any advice for people that are actually going through this experience, um, like right now. Right. I mean, on, on both sides, if you're someone incarcerated, if you're going through this incarcerated, and you're incarcerated and you're able to hear this podcast, and your most better bet is, like I say, work on self. Challenge your beliefs. I'm going to give you four things you need to do. Assess your self-awareness. Understand who you are. That's your attitude while you do the things you do. Um, while you think the way you think. Next is challenge your beliefs. Get all of that, man. I'm a criminal. Uh, you know, uh, I'm a convict. I'm an inmate. Get all that out of your system. Start realizing that you're greater than the situation that you're in. Um, you got greatness inside of you. Always remember that. Number two is prioritizing your values. I say that because when I was on the streets, all I did was value the streets. I put that before my freedom. I put that before God. I put that before myself. I put that before my family. You might have to change it around. You got great values inside of you. Um, you just been using them towards the wrong thing. So now you start using them same great values. You, like me, I was loyal to the block. I was committed. I was dedicated all this to the streets. I just took them same values and started doing it, dedicating it to myself, to my family, to my freedom, to God. And so you got to start prioritizing your values, you know, and then you'll become a value. And then the last number four would be Raise your expectations for yourself. When you start raising expectations for yourself, you won't put yourself in certain situations. You just won't be doing any old thing. Um, your, your expectation, when you look at your, if you're on your way home and you look at your parole stipulation, I'm going to tell you just the honest truth. I used to hate parole stipulation until one day I realized after I had expectations for myself and I looked at the parole stipulation they had for them, I said, oh, I already expect this for myself. The, the stipulations that they get on you should be your ex you should already have them expectations for yourself they should be aligned and so them the four things that I, I i give to you um as far as advice as for those who got family members incarcerated um take your time with them um stay in the corner but don't enable them don't become the enabler uh it, it, it does take time for them to re, uh, adjust to society. Don't give them too much decisions to make in the beginning. Let them work their way into it. And don't force them just to get a job. Help them find a job that fits who they are so they can stay there longer instead of quitting the job because it's not fitting them every month or every two or three weeks. That's the advice I, that I got to give. Thank you. Um, and I think all of those things are great um, and will resonate with a lot of people that listen to the podcast here. Um, I guess before we get off, I wanted to ask you if you could just talk a little bit about your book um, and a sponsorship opportunity that you have, right? Do you care to talk about that? Yeah, so I got um, I got two books. One is Inmate the Inspiration. Um, it's, my, it's broken down to three sections. The first section is my story. Um, and a lot of people, I get, I, a lot of people say, man, they use the word inmate. The reason why I use the word inmate, even though I don't refer to uh, my students and nothing like that as inmates. The um, reason why I use the word inmates because I, that's what I was. Um, ain't no, I'm not going to hide it. I wasn't no offender. I just was somebody who ended up in prison. No, I was the inmate. When I was going back and forth to prison, I was involved in prison activities, uh, drugs, fighting, stabs stuff like that. So I was an inmate. I was in prison jailing. I was what you call an inmate or a convict. Um, and so how I came from that lowest point to where I was at now, that's why I call it inmate the inspiration. 
I mean, so it says my story in the first section. Second section is um, shares the keys that it took for me to get to this point. Hustle, attitude, vision, education. I talk about that. And then in the third step, I, I give reentry tips, 10 reentry tips. So the book, basically the book is really geared for those on the inside as well. And so I got a sponsorship program with that book. I sponsored over a thousand books into the hands of prisons, detent juvenile detention centers, county jails, all correctional institutions. And then now I also have a on the inside reentry guide. This is just an actual workbook of the four tips that I just gave to those incarcerated, assessing self-awareness, challenging your beliefs, prioritizing your values, and raising expectations. This is actually an exercise workbook. It's a reentry guide. You can sponsor them, you can sponsor them as well. Um, we have different bulk size sponsorship packages from you can sponsor three to up to more than a thousand if you want to. Um, and that's on my website, uh, cardelsims.com, www.cardelsims.com. That's where you can find them. And then um, them, are, them are the two books that I offer um, in the sponsorship on the inside the reentry guide and uh, inmate the inspiration. My actual goal with the reentry guide is to become part of the orientation process when you go into prison. It's like, you gotta have this. When you come in, here you go. This is part of orientation, this book, reentry guide. So I'm working on yourself. Okay. Yes, um, I will make sure that I put like the links to the sponsorships or where they can find the books and try and do sponsorship for them in the uh, description box as well, as well as like your personal uh, website and all the other stuff so they can just find it. Um, but yes, I thank you for sharing that. Um, and I guess before we get off of here, is there anything else that you feel like is pertinent for the audience to understand whenever just talking about reentry or working with people who are formerly incarcerated? Um, just, I'm just going to have to say on the inside, um, whether you want to work, remember that reentry starts on the inside and a lot of times, even when they out on the inside, it still means self. You got, you need to see where their mindset is at. Um, y'all just got to be honest. Some people get out of prison and you may want to help and they really don't want, they, they don't really care about the help or want to help. So you got to really understand who they are on the inside to to see what they really want to do. Um, but everybody that wants to be involved in reentry, um, I just want to say thank you because um, we need it. Everybody that's involved, we need it. I don't care if you got a CDL program, barbershop program, personal development program, you help them find jobs. I don't care what you're doing and you work in the reentry field. Um, I appreciate you because we need it. Uh, I thank you a lot. Thank you. And we thank you for, you know, coming on and like sharing your story and talking about, you know, just your experience and your organization as well. Um, like I said, it's like you said, it's fruitful for everybody that's working in this industry um, and trying to move towards, you know, success for the individuals that are coming out. So More Life also just wants to thank you for coming on. Thank you. And I, and I, and I like More Life because it's more life after you walk out of them gates. Yeah, it, that's essentially what what it means and how we got this title is so much more to life than, um, you know, your past experiences and essentially a felony conviction or just an incarcerated experience. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how we have our name, too. 
Um, so yeah, thank you. Um, before we get off of here, I do want to say I will make sure that I list all the social media uh, stuff for Mr. Sims in the bottom of the description, as well as any additional information. And if you enjoyed this episode, please push the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram at More Life the Reentry Podcast. Thank you.